Right, what's cracking lovely people? Welcome back to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast, a little hiatus after the bank holiday. Hope you're all doing well. Thanks so much for your ears as always. The podcast generally focuses on nutrition, movement and outdoor experiences. Thanks for downloading and listening in. So 33 Fuel and I have been working together for over three years to bring you the show. 33 Fuel produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products and you can use Matt 10 at checkout for 10% off and attack the day. More of a recent uh, supporter of the show, they're a London-based lifestyle and clothing brand um, and they're keen, they're run by keen triathletes and mountaineers, Sam and Rory, so you can use Matt20 at checkout for 10% off your first order. So, no-brainer, natural sports nutrition products, oh, outdoor clothing, get involved. So, if you like the show, please share it with someone. Ultimately, it's the only way the show will grow. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. Leave me a comment or review on Apple Podcasts. That would be mega. It basically just helps uh, more people find the show. So, let's get cracking. Today, I'm welcoming welcoming back, if I can speak, Jack Coke to the show. So, this is episode 2.0 with Jack. He's a performance nutritionist working with fighters. Like I said, he's featured on the show before, so if you're keen on understanding more about Jack's background, how he became a practitioner, then listen to the first episode we recorded. The link to that show is in the notes for this show. So without any further ado, let's get back into chatting with Jack. Really looking forward to having a good conversation, and I hope you like it. Jack, welcome back to the show, mate. Hi Matt, mate. Thanks for having me back on. Really looking forward to having a little catch up, mate. It's brilliant to have you back on. And look, before we go any further, you've also got a podcast as well. So look, how's that going? Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about that before we dive into what you've been doing work-wise? Yeah, so we were just chatting, weren't we, about it was probably about a year ago that I came on, well, yeah, April, May time last year, wasn't it, that I came on your pod. Um, always wanted to start one and being on yours really made me think, well, I should just do one. So yeah, I started my podcast back in, God, August, September time last year. Uh, it's called the Ringside Nutrition Podcast. Nice little plug there. You can find it on Spotify, my website, our podcast. Um, it's basically about um, nutrition, S&C, mindset, all things to do with with boxing, MMA, making weight, um, and mainly kind of getting guest lecturers or experts on in the field of combat sports to talk about all of those things and talk about high performance, really. It's not just about making weight, trying to shift the mindset, and trying to get fighters and practitioners to think a little bit more about how can we tease out the, the advantages of gains in performance, not just how can we get someone to make weight on the scale. So, yeah, I've been really enjoying that, mate. And like like I said, it's great to be able to, for me, to talk to people on the podcast and learn things as, it, as much as it is for the listeners. So, yeah, that's been great. That's fantastic. And, yeah, definitely, I'll link to that. And I think people can take a deep dive, like you said. And I think from just quickly to give, I don't know, people a bit of an overview about where, where I'm at with some of these things. Um, you know, I, I very much look from the outside in. I'm a, I'm a casual viewer of things like the UFC. Um, I'm always keeping up with, because uh, I think he's obviously brilliant. So many people do Tyson Fury on, like, uh, social media and things like that. Obviously, we, we have uh, kind of Scott Robinson as a bit of a, uh, you know, mutual person that we see. He also works with fighters and things. And you know, people listening to this might have seen some of his stuff. But I think for the casual person, mate, I know you're in in the circle, and you know, you're working in this most days. So it'd be good to get your insights. But I feel like it is really growing. You know, there's there's more of these celebrity boxing matches. The UFC's never been so big. You know, you've got these huge personalities at heavyweight level looking to put on these super fights. It must it must be an exciting place to be. Is that you know is that fair to say, or do you think it's a bit a bit noisy at the moment? And and you know, there's uh, it's changed. You know, even in the last kind of year and a half since we've been speaking in this kind of like fighting mixed martial arts realm. Yeah, I think it's 
Oh yeah, mate, it's definitely exciting to be working in that. That's one of the main reasons why I kind of, I say picked it, but kind of fell into it and working in it. But it's definitely an exciting thing to be involved in. Like obviously like the buzz of fight night, being in the gyms, watching sparring sessions, um, things like that. And I think the biggest thing is how much of an impact nutrition and physiology has on a boxer's or an MMA fighter's performance. Because in other sports, I sometimes think to myself like, Okay, you could have a really talented footballer, they could half fuel up, they could be a defender, they could probably scrape for a game. Um, does nutrition make that much of an impact? People will say yes, but directly when making weight, nutrition is the thing which makes them make the weight. So um, you get a lot of fulfillment from working in it, but going back to what you said, yeah, it's really exciting to work in. Um, and for me, it's more of the fact that they're just my kind of people. I'm quite... Um, <laughs> I'm quite kind of like blunt to the point um, and um, the fighters I get on with because they I, I like the banter the gyms and they're just my kind of my kind of people but yeah it's definitely an exciting exciting but pressurized sport to work in mate don't get me wrong so my mate said I'm starting to get a few grey hairs on the side so I've been doing it a couple of years so I'm going to be grey by the time I'm 30 which I'm not looking forward to but um, yeah it's exciting to be involved in for sure. Well, look, if you, you know, if you do good work, people are going to are gonna notice, aren't they? And you've certainly been, you've climbed in um, ever since we connected last year. You know, you've you've moved forward in so many ways. And I think, obviously, like I said at the start, if people are interested and understand how you got into doing what you're doing, how you became a nutrition practitioner, the centre registration, all that kind of stuff. We went through that, obviously, episode one. So I think in this episode, it's just, it's good to get some of your time before the call, for example. You're mentioning how... You know, sometimes in the evening you're speaking to some of your clients and 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 some of you know your key clients at times where they're finishing training late. Yeah, um, 10 p.m. last night, as an example. <laughs> exactly. So I think there's obviously so much to cover, but I think at the moment, um, yeah, in 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 the short term, how how are you finding things? Not only growing your business, but yeah, just trying to make sure you're, yeah, you're you're giving exactly what your fighters need within within the kind of remit really of. Uh, I, I suppose just just bringing clarity because there's there's so much out there, isn't there? And uh, yeah. it's a it's a it's a yeah, it's about building relationships, but also uh, yeah, as you as you grow in terms of your client base, it's just trying to stagger um you know the amount of time you're going to do with each person and when before fights and training camps and all that kind of thing. So just maybe give us a bit of an insight into how you're getting on. Yeah, it's, it's different depending on who I'm kind of working with. Say if it was a elite level kind of athlete or, or fighter, sorry, I can only look after a handful of them because the amount of time and effort I put in, because um, I don't like to kind of be half-assed with it. You've got to be kind of like all in with it. You've got to go to the sparring sessions. You've got to be talking to the S&C coach. You've got to be looking at heart rate recovery between rounds. Um, you need to be on to them every day to make sure they're eating what they're eating, otherwise they're not going to make the weight as best as they could. So naturally, you're only going to be able to work, or I can only work with a select few at a time. Um, so I'm kind of very selective with the elite guys that I work with. And it's got to be a good relationship. Like if we don't get on and we're not kind of like almost mates, because to be fair, to be fair, like the guys that are at the elite level, um, I wouldn't say they're friends because obviously you don't want to cross that line, but we kind of are mates. Like I think you have to be. I don't think something so important like the nutrition and trusting someone to help you make weight and then make sure you don't have any GI issues going into the ring or cage. You can't not be friends with that person. You can't not get on with them um, because ultimately they're putting all of their trust in you, um, especially if they're taking you on for the first time and you haven't done a trial weight cut or practice run or you don't know how it's going to play out on fight night. They're putting literally all of their trust in you. So I think that's like the number one thing I've learned, mate, is that you've got to, you've really got to get on and not just from their side, as in they've got to get on with me, 
or they've got to get along with another practitioner they're working with or whatever we've both got to get on so i've got to like what i see from them and they've got to like what they see from me and when you get that two-way relationship you can really start to dig into those kind of like one two percenters and and push things out because when you say things like yeah mate your your sleep's awful like i'm not going to be around the bush like it's awful we need to improve that they don't get like pissed off because they're like yeah i respect him and he's right we need to work on that together whereas if you perhaps said it's someone that's not really putting in the effort doesn't really have the mindset you don't really get on you know when like you're in a relationship and you're trying to like say something to your missus and she gets all on the back foot because you're not really getting on at the time and then they get all defensive it's kind of like that but if, if you've got a good relationship yeah it's, it's a platform to build from yeah, exactly. So, yeah, what I'm hearing is kind of uh, like trust, obviously, number one, and then co-creation and uh, working together. Obviously, that goes without saying if people are, are listening, they think, OK, performance nutritionist with a fighter, of course, you have to work together. But it is those it's sometimes those those quick messages after training. Um, I had Dan Martin on, on the show recently, really, really great experienced practitioner. And he was just talking about like coffee corners and corridor conversations with athletes and things like that and you know that's how it goes because ultimately you know they're just completely narrowed in and focused on whoever they're fighting next and it's that you know it's that complete high level problem solving um you know putting your body on your on the line to earn a living and and obviously like you said nutrition is just such a such a massive part so i don't know maybe give us a quick in, insight into the timeline so if you're working it, it doesn't i don't i'm not too fussed if it's an elite fighter or if it's an amateur like you said you know mm. we're all about relationships and I, I don't need to know about big names or anything but for people listening um if if you could make wave a magic wand and, and you had the ideal time you know how how many weeks uh, or how many months are we talking that you'd quite like to work with someone to then prepare them to obviously get into a ring and fight fight you know someone else until basically you knock them out or they knock you out basically so you know it's, it's so intense isn't it yeah it's just intense yeah i mean ideally in an ideal world we don't live in an ideal world but in an ideal world i kind of want two to three weeks or a month before they went into a camp so with some of my guys we'll have a month where it's kind of less hands-on and it's basically kind of like a trial period where i can see that they can hit daily habits for a month so i know that they're in a good place they're in a good weight coming into the camp gives us a month to do any kind of physiological body complement metabolic tests to see kind of like give us a baseline i don't like doing that kind of stuff maybe like four days before a camp because it then only gives me x amount of time to start planning things and it's a lot of you know if i'm busy or doing other projects and i like to have a good lead up of time going into the camp so we've got a good baseline to work with and like I said, going back to what I said a couple of minutes ago about that, we've got a month then to kind of get that relationship going, can speak to the coaches, can see where they potentially live, can see what their cooking facilities are like. So when I'm saying to them, make an omelette or whatever, I can see that, okay, they've got that frying pan or I can sort of see their kind of little world of how it, they wake up every day and what their routine looks like. So um, that's kind of like the way I would, would want to go. And then, yeah, once we kind of got the test in so we can see we can see their body comp, we can see what weight they're fighting at, because I've done some body composition analysis on on some fighters, and their coaches have been like, oh, yeah, he's going to fire this weight, he's going to fire this weight, oh, that's where he's going to campaign at. And then we do the body composition analysis, and it's just not feasible for them to make that weight, um, to which then I have the dilemma of saying, like, well, do I walk away? Because I don't want anything to do with that, and if they're going to do that, they're going to do it. Or do I say to them, look, I really need to hammer home that this is the data we've got, He's not going to be, he or she's not going to be fighting at that weight class. It's going to be too dangerous. 
Um, then I then have the decision, do I help them do it to the best they can do it so they don't you know, really injure themselves? Or do I just say, I don't want any part in this? Um, so that's where the kind of body composition analysis is super important. Um, we had a, I had a fighter the other day, which we did it with him, and we kind of said that, yeah, this is the last time he should be fighting a, a, a lightweight, which is 61.5 kilos. Um, because he's just getting too big, he's maturing too much, his bone mineral density is developing. So we were saying like, this is the last fight that, because he's already taken it for a title. So we were like, okay, this is the last fight that you're going to be doing this because if you keep doing it, it's just going to get worse and worse on your body. Um, repetitive weight cuts as you as you get older and mature more. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like number one or what we call like phase one, getting all of that kind of stuff done. Um, and then metabolic testing, if I can do it myself with my um, kit, I'll test their metabolic rate so I can see kind of like where their resting metabolic rate's at at the start of the camp. It gives us a nice baseline to work with where we're going to pitch calories, um, set the diet up from instead of just kind of guessing. And then we'll have a look at their fuel utilization as well so I can see kind of like how much they're burning in sessions. Um, and if that's something we need to work on, bringing their reliance on fat as a fuel source at rest, bringing that kind of up at the start of camp where they've kind of got like a weight loss or aerobics style phase before they move into like sparring or strength phase in the camp. Um, so it's just about basically having a good period of time to really get to know each other in that first month before we then start the hard work of getting into the camp. Um, but obviously it's not an ideal world. Sometimes it doesn't happen. And sometimes I can get fighters will say like, can I just work with you for a weight cut? And it's just like, I know nothing about you. Like, that's really difficult for me to give you advice on. I know nothing about your body, know nothing about you as a person, what feeds your level, feeds your like, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, that's kind of like the, the first first phase that we'd go through. But typically, mate, looking at a, a 10 to 12 week camp is, is a good period of time to work with, work with a fighter. I think any less you are kind of, it's hard to, to get everything right, if that makes sense. Of course, yeah. Yeah, so I'm hearing ideal world like you said because you're so process driven and um it's not going to work for everyone because some people are going to do things last minute or they might have heard about you you know through through a, a friend or um someone they work with and, and and you've produced positive results for someone but then the timeline isn't on their you know isn't on their side it's uh, yeah it's an interesting kind of call from you as a practitioner because um ethically you know we're always here to do no harm first um, obviously trying to grow your business and your reputation as well and helping people and if you do gel with that person um, but the timeline isn't there they're they're tough calls but it, you know it sounds like that you you know you have got a good head on your shoulders from that side because obviously if uh, if you do have the time then you, you you are testing a few things like you said baseline body composition um, and then just the person's lifestyle choices in their environment um as as you probably um find and as as you mentioned earlier to everyone listening just understanding what their environment's like in terms of their kitchen their capabilities things like that too and then of course you can go away and do your um thoughts and, and processes around uh, protein fat-based foods you know amount of calories this um and you know x x amount of timings through the day of feeds and all the kind of geeky stuff that we love mm, as practitioners yeah. but it's like you said gelling with them first trust um what have you got at home who's cooking your food who's buying it are you doing it and and then you can you can get into the nitty-gritty and add complexity um but i always do think that conversation around testing um and not guessing is important but then it does it does produce a bit of this thing that you know is mentioned around like a health bill so it's kind of like almost opening a credit card statement and seeing, blooming heck, you know, there's a lot there. So yeah. so the more you know, you think, oh, it'd be good to test some of these things. But then the more you know, it brings out tough conversations. 
So it's not something I thought we'd end up discussing, but then, yeah, I think it's a big one. You sometimes having to, to front up and be like, look, actually, this isn't this this isn't going to go the way you want it because I think we really have to have a conversation about the longevity of your career or, you know, my work ethically as a practitioner. You know, they're, they're big conversations, aren't they? They're big conversations, mate, but they're conversations which need to be had at some point in the timeline. Uh, for example, that fighter which I mentioned that I work with, if we didn't do the testing, he would still keep on fighting at lightweight, and then that would potentially, his RMR would just decrease over time, testosterone levels, you know, show signs of low energy availability. Um, what's that going to do to his like body over the course of a four-year period if he just keeps on doing that as he starts to grow into his frame? You know, he's in 21, so he's not even in his man body yet. So, like I said, bone mineral density still developing, still growing. So if he puts on another two to three kilos naturally, that's two to three kilos more he's got to get off from you know, dehydration or losing water fluid in fight week. So these things are super important and they're really important conversations to have. What I found is that they'll respect you for, for just being honest and open um, by saying it because you're not doing it to, to scam money off them or say like, oh, you should fight at this weight because there's more money in it for me or whatever stupid reason like that. It, you're, you're only doing it because you're like, you know, I don't really want to see you kind of like damage your health and I've kind of got like, you know, standards and ethics. So... Um, yeah, difficult conversations to have, but the necessary ones to have. And going back to what you were saying about um, seeing their environment, it's, it's so important, which I think a lot of practitioners don't do. It's so nice for me in my head to go like, okay, yes, he's making breakfast, but okay, this is how he walks down the stairs. It sounds silly, but this is how he walks down the stairs. I could envisage it in my head of what he's going to be sitting down at this table, having having this breakfast and he's going to be walking to training. That's what the walk looks like. He can have his gel on the way to training. This is what he's got his locker at the training facility or the boxing gym. That's where he can store that. Have they got a fridge at the gym? All those kind of little things. Has he got a microwave where he can heat his meal prep up as soon as he finishes training because he needs to recover straight away? Uh, little things like that, which I think a lot of people don't don't go into. And it, it's difficult because you can only do it for a few people because how on earth are you supposed to know that about like if you have 30 clients how are you supposed to know that about 30 people you can't but um it's super important i even had like my, my mate was living in austria in ski season i got him to show me his like apartment and just go for a walk and show me stuff just because obviously it's my best mate and i want to see i don't want to say like hey mate yeah i did this today when he says to me hey jack I went for some beers with my mates after skiing today i can see it and i kind of know what he's doing in my head because i've seen it so it's just it's just that makes sense it's just nice to know kind of like what the environment's like for them and stuff yeah the, the visual cues to you and then stepping back and taking that 30,000 foot view and I think it's important to have these conversations that in performance nutrition we're not we're not just sitting there all the time writing uh, recipes out and taking photos of food and um, organizing calorie calculations and things and don't get me wrong some some practitioners do like to do that um, but I had a conversation with a really experienced performance nutritionist the other night, and she made that brilliant point. It's like we're not we're not trained to we're not performance chefs, and um, you know we're not we're not like uh, in in members of food teams or have done you know backgrounds in food tech. Not all of us anyway. So I think that kind of image of us writing out recipes and putting together kind of uh, yeah, not not diet plans. It's hard to kind of describe what I actually mean, but I think people. I, I know what you mean. I sat behind a computer um, writing stuff out. It's it's not. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's sometimes I have to do it, and it's probably part of the, the, the role which I enjoy the least. Like to go good sort of jog, cafeteria, coffee, and do that kind of stuff. Um, it's more my kind of role or my job is more conversation based and just relaying those quick 
behavior change cues at the right time yeah. um, and getting the most out of them. So I'm not saying anything or telling them to do anything which is going to be negative. Everything I'm doing or saying to them is going to have a positive impact on their performance. Whether it's me saying like, okay, let's look at your let's look at your work data so we can see what your sleep efficiency is like. Okay, that's not great. Like, how can we change that? You know, what can we do? What can we take to the gym so we can make sure the recovery is good? What, you know, if you're trying to break that muscle, what training sessions are we doing? How can we feed protein and, you know, space protein out throughout the day and all that kind of stuff? Um, how can we enhance fat oxidation so you become better at oxidizing fat, rest, so you save your carbohydrate stores for when you need them most? Like, how can we do these things? And it's not so much about, like, because I used to have, what you're saying there is I used to have fighters say, like, hey, can you update my meal plan or can you update my plan or, or whatever? And now I just say to them, like, hey, what have you got training today? And I say, okay, I've got, like, a scenario spot, which is basically they just talk through what they're going to do and, like, you know, just, like, get the guard up, do movement, throw the jab. They don't actually, like, properly spar somebody and punch somebody. So that's very low heart rate. But if you said to someone, ah, oh, scenario sparring, but you don't know because you've not gone to training and seen what scenario sparring is or you haven't researched it, to anybody else, my dad would think that that was just sparring. But it's not. It's like 120 heart rate. So how you fuel that session is completely different to how you would fuel an eight-round sparring session. So you might chuck 250 grams of carbs or something in prior to an evening sparring session. Whereas this sparring session, you might say, hey, let's just do it low-carb to you know, increase fat oxidation. And just feed some caffeine before I have a play around with that. So your concentration, sharpness there, etc. So it, it's so important to know like what what their training schedule is like and, and educating them. Like, look, I ain't gonna be here like all the time. I might be busy. I might be asleep, or I might be at the gym, or whatever. I'm like, you know, I've got a life. So if if they move something last minute, say that they you originally were gonna spar at 10 a.m. and you're gonna have porridge and all that kind of stuff in a smoothie. Now they've moved it to 8 a.m. You gotta do it first thing. What are you gonna do? And I always say to them like. What do you think you should do? Because that's the best way to get something out of someone and get them to think about it, is to get them to, to think for themselves and then they can reflect and say, like, I should do this. And they usually come up with the right answer, to which then I think, like, well, maybe I shouldn't be in a job. But um, <laughs> it's good to get them to think about stuff instead of them being reliant on you. And I think that's the problem, Matt, is that a lot of, going off on, on a bit of a rant here, but a lot of athletes think that they need a meal plan from a nutritionist all the time. And they need them to plan everything for them. And what they actually need is just the right education. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And But I did find, and when it comes to volume, I think we're, we're more razor sharp as practitioners because obviously you then have to choose what's going to have high impact. And you can't spend so much time on um, one or two individuals as you're probably experiencing when you're growing your business and when I used to work in rugby if we had a 30 or 40 man squad minimum they would be in groups and there'd be some that would come in and it would literally just be a quick coffee corner and you know their body composition is where they need it to be um, if, if I suppose they have a young family you speak a little bit about sleep um, they're, they're usually thinking about some of the optimizers like supplementation or something but then with the others, um, like you said, uh, they might need a bit a bit more care and a bit more attention, but the rigid plan doesn't necessarily work. So you're just talking through scenarios. And if they are going to have like a low, medium or high day, like you said, you're there, you're seeing what it looks like in terms of intensity and duration. And then you can shift things depending on how hard they're working. And I think that that is the way to do it because you can have conversations with people. Yes, you could write a few things down, but it's more about the parameters so like you were saying there, if, if someone does need hundreds of grams of carbohydrates, that might be porridge, 
orange juice, mm. whatever, banana, etc. But another time they might have something small because training's brought a bit closer to when they're waking up and all those kind of things. And I think that's a brilliant position to be in. The more trust you have and the more conversations you, you can have. Um, and, and then people can be a lot more fluid to their approach. But it takes time. And some people aren't foodies either. So you do have you do have to sit down and go through a few things. That's where photos might work. That's where a few kind of um, recipe PDFs or something might work. Just like visually for them to look at it, you know, to be like, yeah. oh, all right, I could make that omelette or I could make that. You know, so that's what low carb looks like or that's what high carb looks like. So you do need a yeah. bit of that show and tell. Mm. yeah yeah 100% agree that that's something which I'm massive on as well like literally what you said about sending them like okay this is what you could have on a high day this is what you can have for a low day this is what you could potentially have 45 minutes from training give them loads of options that they can hit or choose from and it gives them the choice to have something or I can tell them to have peanut butter on toast with banana and yeah. they'll just have that for 365 days a year because I know what fighters are like yeah. they'll just have that before every training session and they'll be like, did you have anything, you tried anything different? We're like, no, 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 because you told me to have peanut butter and banana on toast. I was like, oh, so you've had that 365 days in a row. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you got to give them like the choice. And I really like, yeah, the idea of giving them a couple of options and then they choose from it. So like, as an example, you got a sparring session today. It's at 10 a.m. So you're going to have breakfast at half seven at their digesting time. So you've got like four options. You can either have, I don't know, some French toast and some berries and honey. You can either have a bottle of porridge. How, how are you going to get more carbs? I say, like, how are you going to get more carbohydrates in there? Like, what could you add? And then they'll say, okay, maybe some dried fruits, some honey, some bananas, some chopped dates or something like that. That's what I said. And then they, the majority of the time, start like actually coaching themselves, which is what you want. Um, and then it might be a low day. What are you going to have? Omelette or Greek yogurt or, you know, like scrambled eggs or something. So they actually do most of the thinking for themselves, which is what you want them to do. So they're not then relying on you. Because then what happens is if you die in a car crash or something, a bit morbid, but then they're kind of like screwed because they have no idea what to do. Whereas what you want is for them to think for themselves and then rely on you as a shoulder to kind of like lean on um, if they need a bit more kind of guidance and support. Exactly. And that's why you're brought in um, with your experience, because as, as you find working with more people through fight camps, through um, changes in body composition or people looking to fuel up to some people I, I assume want to be getting stronger and wanting to be putting on more muscle they might want to go up a weight mm-hmm. class all those kind of things so it's not sometimes always I suppose closer to the fight it is about cutting but then yeah you're there as an experienced hand so that you can sift through everything and I think that's the important conversation to have as a performance nutritionist really you're brought on board to make some of these decisions and the rest of it like you said they they can learn or they know a lot about it already but they just need to sift through the noise and and make a few key decisions and then if you can tick that off I think we we always need to remember as practitioners that that's quite a powerful thing them them coming up with something and you being like that's a great decision you know well done and then they go home and they're and they're like and it's that kind of uh uh, that it's verified in their in their kind of um, world, isn't it? And they think, wow, you know, I'm on the right track, which is a really powerful thing. It's momentum, I suppose, because you're one part of you know a a system that's building towards an event. And uh, obviously, nutrition's such a massive part. But if they know that things are going well there, then they might be working on other things: sleep, their psychology, their technique. Um, so I think that's you know that's important to build momentum. Uh, psychology, the psychology is something that I want to touch on there because it's the biggest part of it, especially in combat sports. Like the psychology behind food, nutrition, and the relationship with it is so big. Obviously, it is in normal life as well, general public and keep fitters and stuff. But in combat sports, 
you know, the messages which I'll get, which would be like, oh, that breakfast was amazing or felt so good in training because I had that extra dot, 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 or we do an RMR test, um, did an RMR test a couple of weeks ago and, you know, Cunningham equation, Harris Benedict coming in at 1,600 calories and the RMR was actually like 2,050, 2,100 nearly. Um, and the guy's still been dropping like 0.7 kilo a week on 2,100 calories some days. Um, so for the him, that's 500 calories more. And we just said, okay, how are we going to distribute that? When do you get most hungry? Okay, 4 p.m. What can we implement there? Okay, da, 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 da. oh, you know what? In the evening, I get a bit like I want to have some popcorn. I want to have something in bed. Okay, we give him some Greek yogurt or a casein protein bowl or something, a smoothie bowl, um, or some dark chocolate peanut butter or something like that. And all of a sudden, those two things have made a massive, massive difference to his camp. Not in terms of body composition, because he's going to reduce his body composition anyway, but psychologically, it's a massive difference and it can't be underestimated the role that nutrition plays in not just direct body composition or performance, but um, like mental health and psychology is huge, mate. Absolute huge. If yeah, morale, right, isn't it? If you get it right, it can be an absolute winner. And you, the whole, it changes confidence and changes the mood of a fighter. Um, what they say is a happy fighter, is a dangerous fighter. Exactly. God, yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's a, um, yeah, that's a scary one to think about. God. Happy fighter is a dangerous fighter. Um, now, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Momentum, uh, morale, and like you said, if someone is a, into their food and 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 they and they like to uh, diversify their diet, but still their body composition is moving in the right way, you know, that is a perfect scenario. A perfect scenario. Um, and when you work with people with such strong mindsets and they want to win, um, it is it is brilliant to yeah, I suppose just support things from the nutrition. Uh, perspective because it's uh, it's just making them tick another box off and they're feeling good physically mentally they can have a bit more variety with their food which you know i suppose might bring a bit more um yeah a bit more kind of spice to their day and things like that especially if they're going through the motions and they add another two three different meals some people listening to this might be like oh wow that wouldn't make much of a difference to me but i suppose when you're grinding in the gym and you're working hard and you're moving towards an event and then someone's like by the way you can sit in bed and have this to eat that can make a massive difference. They could sleep better and then they're getting up the next yeah. day feeling fresher and um yeah, it's fantastic, mate. God. Such an important role that you're that you're playing with these guys. Yeah, like a pre like a it could look like a sixty gram carb pre training snack which they weren't having before as far. Or they weren't having before an intense training session. Yeah. So they might have been going on from a four PM session having lunch at twelve, feeling probably hungry but feeling like I'll get through it because I need to lose the weight kind of thing and they finish at seven and then eat and they're like oh, i fasted for seven hours that's going to help me lose weight mm. but they really they feel flat in training and it's those it's those quick wins which are the most important ones like yeah i felt better in training today oh so and so i looked so, so i looked sharp on the pads or they said that my performance was way better everyone was saying how i'm how i'm performing better how i'm more concentrated and stuff those are the things and once you start getting those things ticked off i think you can overcomplicate things a bit if their body composition is coming down they're sleeping good, they're feeling good. You don't need to change too much. Obviously, you can look at performance metrics, however much you want to go into it, like looking at getting motion sensors and looking at hand speed and stuff like that. But of course, you can do all that kind of stuff to really pinpoint it. But the main things are, are they sleeping well? Is their body composition coming down? Are they feeling good? They're not too hungry all the time. Once you get those things ticked off, you're kind of happy days, really. You can then start to just fine-tune a few things. Yeah, agreed. And that not underestimating what you just said there about the hunger, especially on very high active days, you know, a lot of duration, a lot of intensity of training. If they're not feeling hungry through that day, then you're starting to be on point, I think, with your overall food intake. 
which is an interesting metric for people to be aware of. So if you are listening to this and you're someone that um, trains uh, different, you know, different intensities and, and, and for longer, shorter on certain days, and you think, wow, how do I kind of balance my nutrition on your hardest training day? Um, you know, if you're not feeling hungry, if you're feeling normal, if you're feeling satiated, you probably got the right amount of food in there. So I think that's another one to just have a good conversation about. Um, and it's just bringing things in and out. And it does come back to um, if you can get more carbohydrates in there, they are king for performance. So if you're still helping someone to lose body composition, but they're adding some carbohydrates, especially around key training sessions, performance meals and things, and they are moving better. Um, you know, that's ultimately, um, yeah, the way to go. That's, that's fantastic. So, um, mate, what is the, um, what is the, you know, the, the, the next few months of coming <laughs> into the summer and things like that? And I know events and, um, you know, Fed say the world's opening up a bit. Like what, what have you got to look forward to? I know you've got more and more clients on your roster, but as, um, yeah, what is, what is, uh, yeah, what, what are the time hold over the next few months for you as a practitioner uh, and personally as well? That'd be great to hear. Yeah, next next few months for me is to keep building what I'm building. Um, we've got Lucas Ballinall who's fighting for English lightweight title in two weeks' time. Wow! So we've got him set up for that. Um, 100%. What? Where's that? 100%. Where's he fighting? That's that's in Sheffield. So it's like a, one of the first shows with crowds back. So it's like a dinner show. Oh, that'd be um, brilliant. So he, He's fighting for English English lightweight title. He's from Pompey, Portsmouth, sorry. Um, then yeah, we've yeah. got the day after I'm going with Idris Burgo and Tommy Welch to uh, Hennessy Sports Show on Channel 5. So I'll be doing all the nutrition for fight week and being there at the weigh-in and all that kind of stuff, buzzing for that. That's going to be at, in Coventry with like a crowd of like 30,000, I think. So And that's live on Channel 5. So cool. yeah, really, really excited for that one. And then we've got... Mikey McKinson potentially fighting for a European or world title later this year. He's from Portsmouth as well. So um, those are kind of like what's happening real soon. And then I've got amateurs and, and other pros which I look after. I've probably got small hall shows and other bits and bobs going on. Um, and to keep building the podcast, mate, I need to need to get back on it with like with season two. So got some good guests lined up trying to get hold of Vancy Josh's nutritionist Mark Ellison. That's that's difficult to try and get hold of him, but pin him down to a time. But that's what I really want to get on, on my pod and, and talk about how he fuels AJ and stuff. So yeah, just just keep on pushing through, mate. Keep on keep on working with fighters and keep on learning. That's the main thing. It's it's all about it's for me, it's all about the process and and learning and absorbing as much as you can. And, and like I said, chats like this are really useful to consolidate ideas. And mm. even on my podcast, just getting people on and I listen to my own podcast back and take notes. And this is just the learning experience for me. The more you can learn more and more each day, you're continuously growing and continuously evolving and cont- continuously bettering yourself. Um, so that's it, mate. Just trying to enjoy it. Just trying to enjoy life and enjoy working with people is stressful, but just trying to enjoy it and, and learn and absorb as much as I can. Um, obviously, like going to fights and stuff is going to be awesome once restrictions are lifted. Um, you can start documenting that and stuff. But but yeah, mate, that, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Fantastic. Yeah, like you said, you, you wouldn't want to be doing anything else or be anywhere else. And I think, God, when you actually... I haven't experienced it, but uh, when these guys go in hell for leather at each other live, it must be shuddering listening to them taking the hits. But anyway, I think I'll leave I'll leave that there. Uh, but mate, you are, you know, you are you are the hub for people listening, and and you know, obviously, 
I don't tend to accumulate huge huge amounts of followers and things like that but if you are listening you know jack really for me is the hub of nutrition for fighting and he's such a sharp young practitioner who's open-minded um you know we speak on instagram and things he's fantastic i know we didn't go too much into recipe formulation and all that kind of stuff but he's fantastic in the kitchen as well varied colorful foods so if you are interested in it and um you know it's something that i look at as as more of a hobby um you know he he really is my go-to for that kind of thing so definitely keep in touch with him his website instagram podcast um will all be in the show notes um is there anything else mate that we that we need to include that i haven't thought about nah but just off the top of my head i just want to sort of name drop some other it's really nice of you to say that i'm kind of the guy but there are some really great other pages to follow like related to combat sports nutrition so you've got people like um Andrew Usher up in Scotland who's doing some fantastic, fantastic research in boxing physiology, substrate metabolism, uh, caffeine. Um, what was that, his last name? Sorry, mate. I'll put it in Andrew. Andrew Usher. He was on episode one of season two of my latest podcast. Cool. Um, brilliant. He's doing some great work in boxing. Um, and then you've got other people like obviously Carl Langan Evans producing quality research in combat sports nutrition. Uh, Mark Germain, the fight dietitian. There, there's so many great accounts to follow that, that are linked to combat sports nutrition that you can really get great information out of. Um, and the kind of common denominator is all of those people are open to having conversations and are, are, are willing to help and put out absolutely fantastic information on social media and, and um, podcasts and are not kind of scared to to put out you know free information or give information out. So just name dropping some other people there but they've been really those people have been really helpful in kind of my journey and, and helping me learn so uh, yeah but but i know that andrew's trying to get ethics for a, for a caffeine study um looking at different caffeine protocols specific to boxing so wow that would be a really nice one to keep an eye out for that's that's really cool that's really cool brilliant mate there that's why we have these kind of conversations little gems and if people are still listening they've picked up some value there so i'll put those things in the show notes and stuff and uh yeah obviously more conversations to come on your pod too so um people should tune in if they're really into that side of things with the fighting and the um you know the kind of combat sports and stuff it's, it's an exciting time sure, mate. excellent all right lovely people um as always thanks for listening to the show please share it it's the only way the show will grow and we'll speak to you soon thanks for tuning in have a great week bye